extra time immaculate grid grid two zero one four friday the 20th of course this is the bonus show for generations talking about my sports generations we've got a new episode dropping tomorrow Stephen, myself check that one out last week of course we were talking about the playoffs and the value of the regular season and of course steve exclaimed that robert borey is a carbon value so you need to check that episode out but tomorrow we're going to be talking about you know something that is uh possibly a hot button for a few people often i don't know why i don't know why they care we're going to kind of go through that but really social justice social activism and sports and where they intersect and how a lot of people don't want that kind of stuff in their sports but we kind of explore that and we talk about it and uh we give it a chance give it a give it a shot i do go on a little bit of a diatribe about uh some things that i'm really passionate about and i think it's things that we can all get behind so check that episode out. Of course, this is the bonus show. Immaculate Grid. So we're seeing people. We're, the listenership is growing. We're seeing people listening to the baseball Immaculate Grid, but we're seeing the numbers kind of starting to dip. We're right now into the playoffs, and uh, the playoffs are looking pretty good. At least the uh, Texas and Houston Astros is looking really good. But um, seeing the baseball numbers go down, so are you telling me that it's time to start switching to football Immaculate Grid or basketball is going to be starting here pretty soon? So give me a shout. Let us know. You want to, you know, like the kink said, give the people what they want. But today, and I think this is something that uh, baseball reference is doing, They've added yesterday they added a new column and today we have two more new columns. So let's go ahead and jump right in on the columns left to right. We have the Minnesota Twins and then new column number one of the ERA of less than three in a season. And then on the far right hand side, column third new column. We have one yesterday. Only one team. So We'll talk about that one here in just a moment. And then the rows top to bottom, we have the Yankees, the Clevelands, and the Les Expositions, Montreal, Washington Nationals. So let's go ahead and just jump right in, left to right, top to bottom. Let's go top left and square. We've got Twins and Yankee. We went Jim Cat here. You know, Jim Cat, longtime twin, played for the Phillies, would uh, have his rando yankee year he was at the downside of his career when i was really starting to watch baseball and you know but at that point in time i mean he was already you know he was into his 40s still pitching and still effective and even his last three seasons with st louis he had some you know, bloated ERAs, but he was all still out there 
And probably because he was left-handed, you know, maybe he's the original left-handed specialist. Thinking about it, you know, I think that's probably pretty true. But, I mean, he won 20 games all the way as late as his age 36 season in 1975. You know, the guy was the gold glover. So, you know, before Maddox became the, no pun intended, gold standard for gold gloves. Jim Cat had 16. He won 16 gold gloves in a 25-year career. Just incredible. Incredible. The Jim Cat comes in here at 1%. So then you move over to the first new the first new uh, square, lesson three ERA. So I attacked this one by saying, okay, what if it's relievers? Because typically those relievers are going to have, you know, a, a lower ERA. That's how I kind of viewed this one. And um, I think Tony, Tony kind of agreed. He, he went that direction. But uh, he was also picking some guys that had, you know, some just from a starting pitcher perspective. But I went John Wetland, 0.9%. Of course, Wetland, the uh, Ranger. And he was the closer on the first World Series team, 96, uh, after that long stretch of uh, goose eggs that the Yankees had throughout the 80s and into the 90s. And then for only one team, I went Thurman Munson. Tony hit the cheat code on this. He picked some rookies. He he picked a couple of guys that were really young that uh, had only played in one team and hadn't hit free agency yet. So I thought that was uh, pretty sharp. I was thinking, man, I have got to think of somebody that, uh, you know, older time guys didn't move around before free agency. I went months in here for 3%. Let's go down one. Let's go to the middle row. That's the Cleveland's. So we've got the Cleveland's and the Twins. And uh, this is the cheat code I've been using. I've been using Dave Winfield for a lot of things, even though that the other day I missed one because I was sitting there thinking 3,000 hits and the question was actually 500 home runs. But uh, Dave Winfield, 3% here. And then here's a here's another one. You know, I I've, I don't know why it just, it just popped into my head, but Cleveland's in less than three years. I want Jose Mesa. and. You know, Jose Mesa's in the 300 save club. He had 46 saves. He led the league in 1995. There was a period of time that, you know, he was he was pretty solid. The funny thing with Mesa was, you know, he wasn't a strikeout per inning guy. He was, he was you know, quite a bit less than that. And, of course, like many of these guys, he was a starter, kind of a failed Failed starter, so to speak. But that first year, really being a closer, I mean, he had a 113 ERA, 46 saves. And he became a dominant dominant closer for, for a couple of years. Of course, he's another one of those guys where Jose Mesa, Roberto Hernandez, Steve Bedrosian, you know, even though that I like the guy, Dave Rigetti, the Giants were always just Armando Benitez. The Giants were always searching for these closers. And these guys were just, once they got to the Giants, or when they got to the Giants, 
for whatever reason, they were terrible. Mark, Mark uh, Milan said, they get to the Giants, sign these free agent deals, and they don't do anything with the Giants. And then they leave the Giants, and they go back to their, you know, their former dominance. Jose, this is another one of those guys. And I don't know why the Giants always did. And then the closers that the Giants had that were any good, Brian Wilson, Rod Beck, you know, Joe Nathan, they got rid of Joe Nathan. But they were guys that they brought up themselves. You think they would have learned? Sergio Romo. Casillas is probably the one that they got, but I mean, Casillas, they got him off of the, you know, they didn't have to give up much for Casillas. He wasn't a big free agent. Uh, Tim Morrell, same. He came in and had a season or so where he was a solid closer, but they didn't have to give much for Worrell. But man, the guys they paid a lot of money, terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Let's move over one. We're in the right-hand square, middle row. We have the Cleveland's and only one team. Yeah, I struggled with this. Tony went with a guy who'd only been in the league like two years. I went Bob Feller, and ever, 22% of everyone else did as well. Then at the bottom row, we have the Liz Exposition and Twins. We've talked about this many times. Outside of the Nationals teams that played the Giants in the playoffs during the Giants three World Series in five years, I just don't know. Like, unless you're one of the top dudes, I just don't know. I don't know the Nationals, so I'm always going Expos here. And we did again here, Mike Marshall, 0.7%. Of course, Marshall was twin, was a Montreal Expo. He was originally an expo, went to the Doyer, wins the Cy Young in 74. And uh, we talked about that yesterday. We had we had uh, Messersmith. So it's close. Messersmith had a better war. But Mike Marshall did something that no one had ever done. He pitched 200 innings and had 106 appearances all as a reliever. 21 saves, went like 12 and 11, something like that, 12 and 10. I guess we just look at it, 15 and 12. He went 15 and 12. 242 ERA. He had a war of three and a half. But the guy who had the top war for a pitcher that year was actually Negro, Phil Negro. So Phil Negro's got a handful of gripes where he was saddled by being on bad teams but Cy Young I don't know it's weird MVP is always like oh well whoever is the best player on the best team often not always but often or who's the best player on a team that overachieved very few times where a losing team produces a MVP Andre Dawson in 87 the Cubs is an example But Marshall wins. Marshall wins. And, you know, the Dodgers were on the best team that year for the National League. They go, they lose to the A's in the World Series. So saying, okay, let's, let's pick it up. But I mean, it was, I don't know. Be interesting to know what the narrative was. But again, Marshall did something that had never been done before and hasn't been done since. And he has. Two of the top three or three of the top four total appearances in a single season, all time. 
and go check out that episode when we talk about relievers. Jesse Orozco, I think he's like top five all time appearances. But we went Mike Marshall here 0.7%. Then with ERA three or less and his exposition, I want Jeff Reardon 0.7%. Jeff Reardon, though, as a reliever, he didn't have very many seasons with sub three ERA. And so I think that's another thing that's changed quite a bit in baseball for the closers. You know, we expect them to be pretty lights out. So in 16 seasons, Raiden had a sub three ERA. Eight of them, it's only half. And it, it's not like, you know, it was all his early years. Most of his early years, but yeah, I mean, he's got some bad, bad years. 27 saves, you know, 425 ERA. The year he saved 41 games and 85 for this exposition. He had a 318 ERA, 303 ERA with 40 saves with Boston at 91. So it wasn't like Rudin was. Uh, I don't know. Right place, right time, maybe. He's also one of the first set of guys to have 40 plus saves. He, Rigetti, Suter, Quisenberry. They're the they're the beginning of the modern closer. That's another episode. Check that one out. And then lastly, one team, Les Expositions. Tony went Straussburg. That's a good pull, right? He's only been a national. Didn't even think about that. But I went old school, Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers, he might very well be, even still, the best pitcher in Montreal or Washington Nationals history. Steve Rogers, you know, started off with the team. So he's an original, obviously played one team. He's an original Montreal, but 73. So very shortly after team was founded 158 wins 317 era i mean the guy led the league in the era 240 in 1982 and although he led the league in losses for several you know a few times a couple times the guy was solid I and mean, he was on some bad teams just some bad teams and to be able to kind of like nico be solid yeah, be solid on teams that aren't very good that just shows how good you are. You know, if he would have come up with another team, what would his record be? What would it look like? You know, Phil Negro, if the Braves, we've talked about this, the year that he wins 20 and loses 20 games, last pitcher to do it, he wins a third of their games. So what if he's on a team that's that's decent? Instead of being like, 22 and 20 or whatever it was he could have you know could he have won three and his era was solid but um this is why i'm still doing baseball this is why at least through the playoffs we're going to keep doing a magnitude baseball because you know baseball is i think better than football better than basketball just the stories and the idiosyncrasies and the 
just out of nowhere, things that happen. And for whatever reason, baseball, to me, lends more to statistics, more than football. Football's great for fantasy, don't get me wrong. But the advanced metrics, which are starting to come in football, but the advanced metrics and all of the standard stats, there's just so many more, in my opinion, in, in baseball. And they lend more to storytelling and they lend more to following it and absorbing it and just uh, playing with it and the what ifs, I think. And, you know, in football, a lot of these guys, their careers are so short. You know, you look at it, let's just say running backs, Larry Johnson, Christian Akroy, Barry Word, you know, just to take the pantheon of Chiefs running backs, you know, three, four years and you know, they're done. It, it's a, it takes a special guy like Marcus Allen who lasted as long as he did. And there aren't many guys like that that could do that for a really long time. And so because of that, the, the story of these individual players is so short, unless you're a quarterback, maybe if you're a wide receiver. And then stats for defensive players are hard to come by. You know, sacks, touchdowns, interceptions. So, yeah, baseball, this is why we're going to continue doing this. But, but give us some feedback. Share your grids. And um, this is extra time. It is a Macri grade 201. This is the bonus show for Generations, talking about my sports generations. Check out last week's big show episode, and we got a new one coming up tomorrow. We'll see you guys. Bye.